As we began singing, there's something about that name. Uh, now, that's an older song. We've been singing that for a long time. But the very first service I ever walked into a UPC church, got the nerve to walk into a UPC church. Not that it had to be UPC. I visited oneness churches before I knew there was a UPC. But I'm saying when I finally said, I'm going to this UPC church, I was arrived late. My brother and I walked in together. He had said we were, he was attending Trinitarian College in a certain area. And he said, we're going to make the plunge. We're going and we're going to do it. Even though we don't know one soul in that place, we're going and we're going to make take the plunge. And I'll never forget walking down that long corridor, something I'd been afraid of, just leaving my home church. It was fearful to me. I did not want to miss God. I didn't want to disrespect my pastor. But I knew that I had to obey the Lord. We walked down that long corridor and we got to the doors to go into the sanctuary. Now, that church has long been torn down. It's a huge church. They've had to tear it down to build a larger church. But that we pushed those doors open and the choir was up there and they were singing. It was a brand new song at the time. There's something about that name. Hallelujah. How many are thankful for the name of the Lord? And that's what I want to talk about here today. I, I've been... So let's praise Him one more time. Shall we? Father, we love You. We give You praise. We thank You for the power of the Holy Ghost. Thank You for this good district. Thank you for the presence of the Lord that is meeting with us here. And we give honor to you and love you and praise you. Hallelujah. Amen. Ever said amen? All right. You may be seated. Let's go to, um, uh, well, just go to the Hebrew slide, if you would, Brother Thompson. I'll let you, it's two or three slides long. This is where we ended up. Now, I have felt a tremendous urge of the Lord in the last couple of months and uh, to consider the, the awesome key to revival that our doctrine holds. That actually, we aren't just a, another group of people that hold a certain doctrine, like uh, the Wesleyans and, and the Baptists and all the different groups, but that there really is something about the, the truth and the fullness of truth. How many believe that there's full truth? And, and I'm not taking away. Now, listen, I would be the last one to take away from somebody that is in a denominal setting that is just getting a revelation of Jesus named baptism. I mean, we had a young lady, uh, uh, one of the professors from one of the largest uh, universities there in Chicago uh, come to our service and say, I'm beginning to get a revelation of the of the name of Jesus in baptism. And she was from England. And, and, and I didn't say, well, you should have got that revelation 20 years ago. What? What kind of a in, intellect are you? What, you mean you call yourself smart because you're working on a PhD and you haven't been baptized? I wouldn't say that to someone because I expect that people are going to. I know it's early, folks, but it doesn't take the time makes no difference to me. I'm telling you, there's something about this great. How many are glad for truth here today? So what I I, I don't normally do this. In fact, I have I have purposely kept myself from doing what I did yesterday. And that is sort of talk about my personal journey, the way that I personally left 
one set of ideas, what I've often called the cobwebs of theological notions, that were very sincere. They were very sincere. I was, I was as full of the Holy Ghost then as I am now, but I did not have full truth. I was looking for it. And some people get stuck there. They think, well, you know, I got the Holy Ghost, so what else do I need? See what I mean? What do I, why do I need anything else? I've already got the Holy Ghost or something like that. Well, you need everything, God. You don't say, well, I got what I want, that's all. How many understand what I'm saying? You don't say, well, hey, that's, that's good enough for me. What's good enough for God is what's good enough for me. And so we're in a day of trivialization. We're in a postmodern age where truth is just sort of uh, trivialized and pushed to the edges. And I, and I feel an urge. I feel as though that we have been brought to the crossroads as a movement. That we are a people of destiny. That God is ordained. That's why, folks, do you know how many places that you could go in religious settings and never see a miracle? Never see the power of God move like it's moved in this camp? Because there's something about that name. There's something about a people that love truth. We love truth. We're not just religious. Folks, listen. Oh, help me, Lord. Okay. All right. So, um, oh my. Uh, I have said uh, many, many times, and, and I, I'm, I'm, uh, I made a choice to be United Pentecostal. But I'm living by the Bible. I believe the manual is in agreement with this Bible. I made a choice. I said, that's exactly right. I'm, that's the group. That is what I want. But I will say it again today. What this word says is what we bow to. And it's very easy for men and to have creeds that they live by, notions. And so uh, I'm stirred. I, I am stirred to think that uh, people that we have never met, that um, I am stirred to know that uh, in, in places of, in the world where they're where they chased the missionaries out. They literally ran oneness missionaries out of China by, by the dozens. Many of them nearly lost their lives. And, and there are, of course, nations where our missionaries did lose their lives and our preachers have, have lost their lives in persecution. But that in places where it would seem impossible, the very first time that I heard of, of the Jesus name movement in China, let's just use that as an example, was at the university. Now, I had never been to China. I know very little about China. I don't speak Chinese. But, but I was at the university, and where I was attending is the alma mater of Billy Graham. And so uh, Billy Graham is there often, and he was speaking. And his daughter has written a book, and in this book she speaks of, of course, uh, Billy Graham's wife had parents that were missionaries to China and so forth and, and they were talking about this China thing and I was sitting there in this setting non-Pentecostal setting and all of a sudden they start talking about this awesome this awesome growth of Pentecostals in China and they said there's just one thing about it is, is that it's, this, it's these people, you, you probably don't know much about them, but it's these people that only baptize in the name of Jesus. And my ears perked up and I thought, my goodness, they're talking about my brethren. 
whether I have ever met them or know anything about them. And I begin to search and ask, do you know anything about And so forth. Let me tell you something. Back in 1916 and 15, when they first started getting baptized, and the missionaries couldn't even go in to the inland of China, there was a move of the Holy Ghost that began to stir that nation. And God has been pouring out His Spirit there in awesome proportion. Why? How many believe that God can do whatever He wants to do? God can do whatever He wants to do. But then to read, and you know, it's uh, to set in. So they told me, he said, why don't you document the Asian? Just, we'd like to, there are probably not many in Asia. Uh, we'd like to see how many apostolics are in Asia. And so I said, well, that's tough. I mean, we're, we're here in the States. How do, we, how do we get the information? And there's a fabulous research library. And, and I was absolutely astounded. Begin to get information from Jonathan Cho and, and those that have been working around and with apostolics in China. And, and the stories of preachers that were arrested and, and the way they were persecuted. They would actually take Pentecostal preachers because they, the church was growing and because they were so exuberant. They were called the exuberant Christians. And, uh, and on and on. How many are thankful for that God is doing this in people's lives? And, and, and they would take the preachers. And one example that Joe gives in his uh, material is that they would take them and to try to stamp out the church, they would bury these preachers to their necks in like a, a, a sewer uh, field or whatever. They would bury them out there. And then they would tell them that we're going to leave you there until you rot, until you, until you re- renounce Jesus and your faith and your Christianity. Because they fought all Christians. I'm not suggesting that only Jesus and Christians were persecuted. But I am telling you that the fastest growing church in China is a Jesus name church. And it's there because they gave their lifeblood. Now that, that, um, uh, I don't know, that just does something to me. Um, I don't have to agree with every single point of their theology. I may not, maybe things in that Asian context I don't agree with and so on, but uh, what a, what a fabulous message this must be that even without missionaries, even without, that's not to diminish. Oh, folks, listen. Just the study of... Folks are beginning... Now, you can laugh at this, but I'm telling you, folks are beginning to look at apostolic mission work and say, how are they doing it? How is this... Uh, what is going on here? These folks, they look at... Uh, I interviewed the, uh, the, the work in Colombia to get accurate documentation of numbers. And last year alone, they had to rent 12 coliseums throughout Colombia just to have their national conference. Because there is no single building big enough to house the Jesus name people in Colombia. Now, folks, what am I saying that for? I am telling you that there is a truth that transforms lives that doesn't take away from somebody else that's trying to find God. It just proves to me that there's a truth. There's a full truth. And you can, you can think however you want. But I believe that the Holy Ghost is real. And that it is not just another doctrine that kind of keeps me emotional. It makes me, not that it doesn't make me jump around a little bit, but what I'm, 
saying is that that isn't what it's all about. That's not what it's all about. I, I've attended Baptist universities all my life. That's, Lord, why? I don't know, but it's the way it worked out. When I first got into Greek studies, I started at Crichton College in Memphis, and, and they said, don't. Well, in fact, they first said, you cannot attend here because you're a tongue talker. And they handed me a piece of paper and said, you've got, you, you can only come if you sign this. And I looked at it and it said, I renounce speaking in tongues and healings and charismatic gifts. Uh, there's a big list there, but the very top of it was speaking in other tongues. And I will no longer speak in other tongues. No longer speak in other tongues. And I looked at the registrar and I said, uh, you might as well freeze the sun over because this isn't going to happen. I said, I don't know sooner get out of this room and, and I'll be feeling the Lord. I'm not, you're not, you're not going to be able to stop me. They said, uh, well, you can't come because we don't want you laying hands on people in the hall and praying people through the Holy Ghost and stuff. And I said, I was surprised actually. I, uh, I said, well, I'm surprised. I was almost registered and had transferred a bunch of stuff in and, and, uh, they were very excited and so on. And then they found out I was apostolic and talking in tongues. And I said, well, it's really too bad. Because I have the money in my pocket. I have a, a, a donor that is paying my entire, for the entire time I'm at this car. And now I've got to start over. They said, well, you didn't, you didn't mention that. Um, we... Uh, we, uh, we do happen to have a, a, a place for a, a tongue talker like that. We didn't know <laughs> Oh, hallelujah. But uh, I was there a few years, and, and that's where I began getting into language study and, and uh, full-time ministry. But there we had a Christian school and so forth. But um, I'll never forget, several students came to me, and they said, uh, you know, Talmadge, we were told to not have anything to do with you. Because you're a tongue talker. And we've never met a tongue talker. This is, I'm, this is true. We've never met a tongue talker. And, and they said, but you know, um, we're so glad you're here. This is a very, I'm talking super conservative Baptist. We're not talking liberal Baptist. We're talking uh, super conservative Baptist. Very, very good educational process, but very, very conservative. And not, not as conservative as I am, but they, these were conservative Baptist folks. And, and they came to me about, oh, a year into the program. And they said, you know, we have finally discovered. Uh, you, you haven't been laying hands on people in the hall. You haven't been speaking in tongues in class. You haven't been disrupting. We thought you would come in here like an arrogant individual that thought you should take over. And, and they claimed that it actually occurred. Some Pentecostal had come. They didn't know it was Pentecostal. And the Holy Ghost told them to stand up. And so if whatever took place, if it actually occurred, I don't know. But they said, you have never done that. But this one thing that's been happening. We have been watching your life. And you're really the only Pentecostal we know. And we don't understand this, but there's something about it. We just want to know more about what it is you've got. And, and the president of the school came to me one day and said, You know, friends, I think you've proven yourself long enough. We want you to preach our chapel this week. And I said, uh, No, no, no. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, please. I, I, I don't think you do. You think you do, but you... I've, I've been attending your chapel, and, and it's, I thank the Lord for that. It's, 
very lovely, but, but you don't want me. And he said, no, no, Thomas, we do. What, it doesn't matter what it is you want to preach. We trust you. We, we want you to do it. And uh, so what am I saying? I am, I am saying to you that regardless of what people may have, uh, if it's a, a, I believe that if people repent, then repentance is good. Humbly's repentance is good. I believe repentance is biblical. And if somebody repents, not someone says with a bunch of fake people saying they're repenting, they're not repenting. I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about somebody that actually repents. If they repent, then that's biblical. But that doesn't mean that's all they need. They need truth. Folks, this world's looking for truth. They're looking for truth. And they're getting fed up. They're getting fed up with the old theological uh, system that doesn't work. And I want to show you, um, uh, I want to complete a couple slides, Brother Thompson, from, uh, from yesterday. And I want to, everybody say praise the Lord. Everybody say all that matters is the will of God. We don't have to cover all 50 of these folks. We could teach on this stuff for 90 years. What I'm telling you is that God is ordaining that the church come alive in this hour. This is our day today. What happened yesterday is marvelous. But we have a future to look to. We have to stand for righteousness today. We must love the message today. Okay. Because there is that spirit that says if you compromise and... If you don't worry about doctrine, you'll, you'll have your big TV ministry. You'll be a big parking lot as big as Walmart. And, and, uh, but you see, that's, I think it's very dangerous for us to begin to think that the marketed, uh, the marketed religious... And, I, I, and I've already said that I'm not judging men based on what they do sincerely. Now, you can, you can say whatever you want to about me. I am telling you that when a... When an American Baptist liberal pastor walks into my church and says, I teach at the university, the largest university in the Chicago area. It's the second largest community college in the world. She walks into our congregation and says, I'm beginning to feel like I need the Holy Ghost. And, and I said, that's exactly right. You need the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't say, how dare you go back to your American Baptist church one more day. I said, God is leading you. So come back next time. She didn't have to come back. She was slain in the Spirit right there and got the Holy Ghost right there. Now listen, I'm not responsible for whether she got baptized. I can only tell her about it. But I, oh, hey folks, I believe every Trinitarian in the world can get baptized in Jesus' name. Now I just believe that. And I believe that my whole... Uh, that, uh, well, I believe just anybody can get truth. We're so worried that they're just going to get a little of it. And folks, a little of it is, 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 is a start. Now, you, some of you aren't following me, and this is camp. And, and I, I, I'm telling you that what we've got is like the salt of the earth. It causes people. They, you say they don't like your holiness. Oh, listen to me. They see your life and they see your Holy Ghost and they see your camp meetings. And I say yours. I'm speaking from my, my walk this direction. I am telling you that this is a day of revelation and that God is going to draw them in. He's drawing them in. And that means we must... 
we must sacrifice. We must... Uh, you can't let your Bibles get dusty. You can't, you can't get bored with uh, the Godhead. You can't afford to do it. You can't say, well, that's just uh, one of our distinctives. It is our central. It is our defining distinctive. Do any of you understand what I'm trying to say? That when we preach Jesus' name, baptism, when Brother uh, Mangan walked up to me last night, uh, it just came through me. That's why I'm saying this this morning. And he, 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 he we're about through with the service, but he, he, he whispered in my ear. He said, many of us don't understand, Brother French, that this doesn't just wash our sins away. When that name is spoken, that's not just washing our sins away. That is a covenant relationship. And I thought to myself, you see, now I believe everybody in this room understands that. But what happens is we sometimes get, we get to think that it's just me over there in my little town. But I am telling you that this message is the message for this hour. That God has called us to this hour. So, Shema Yisrael Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Echad. Now, it is very, very important that we understand that there was two things that brought me to the oneness. And, I, and I'm not suggesting that because these convinced me of the oneness that um, everybody would... That it's a formula. And uh, believe me, I've talked to many, many Trinitarians and they weren't impressed. So... Uh, I'm not telling you that every, you, just, you just sprinkle this out there. But I'm telling you that for many Trinitarians who are truly searching, and there are millions of them, how many believe that? Oh, come on, Ohio, how many believe? Let's lift our hands. Let's ask God to do it. Father, right now, there's, there's, a, there's a mark of destiny. There's a, there's a calling. Now, Father, you know my heart. I, I've come today. I want to talk. I want to dig into the Word. But, Father, somehow there's something of destiny on this camp meeting. You, you are truly trying to show us that we can be everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Three Hebrew boys were thrown into a furnace. And there weren't three that came and met those boys in there. How many knows that? How many knows that there was only one that showed up in that furnace? How many knows that they were thrown into a fire that could not burn them? Because they said, our God is able. They put their confidence in a God. So, whether or not there are millions who agree with me, and there are, I thank God for that. I thank God that Smorodin gave his life for this message in Russia. I do. I do. You, you can forget it, but I, I cannot forget that there's a man buried in Russia we cannot find his grave. No one knows because he was in prison so many times he never came home after the last time. But there was a man that was baptized early in this last century. I am, I am impressed that there are great revivals in this nation. We're hearing about them. And I believe that God has called us. He has called us to stand firm for righteousness. Whether there's just three of us in the fire. Now, had there been three in the fire and then three more had come and joined them, I'd be Trinitarian right now. Oh, I would. Yeah. I'm trying to tell you that I'm not oneness because there's a UPC. Now, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful here. I, I, if you're going to have to understand my heart. I'm not oneness because of the UPC. I love the UPC. I am in it. I am telling you that nobody a greater defender of this great organization. 
But that's not why I'm in it. I'm not oneness because of an organization. I owe much to the organization. So I'm in no way trying to disparage that. I am oneness because of this book right here. Oh, Jesus. And I have stood in seminary rooms where they threw this book. One of The dean of the seminary that I attended threw this book on the floor and said, that's a bunch of garbage. He said, that book is full of errors and hopeless. This was a Christian seminary. And I wanted to get down and say, give me that book. That's the book of God. And I'm going to live by that book. And so they laugh at oneness people. They're just the Holy Rose. They're just the... You know, they're holiness people. They're, they don't have an education. They, they don't know anything. All these little things which are not true. They're just forms of intimidation. And when you try to intimidate, that means you're, you're losing. You're, you're, everybody understand what I'm saying? The fact that they have to do this. You, they are very, very concerned and amazed. So some say, well, it must be a cult then. Now we got into this at, uh, this is what I call the Michael Servetus attitude. There are two attitudes. Both are very destructive. Um, 1531, a young Spanish boy, since he was 14, had studied seven languages. He was probably uh, one of the finest minds of the, of the uh, 16th century, but... He began to read, of course he knew Hebrew uh, very well, and he was a Latin scholar. My son has a uh, heart condition known as Tetralogy. And when we were starting the church in Chicago, he was born the first year we were there, and I've never even hardly had a cold my whole life. And we looked at that medical situation. My wife had never been sick. We were just the healthiest people in the world. But we'd gone to Chicago to start a church, and we weren't there a year and Ryan was born with tetralogy, which is a heart condition that can be repaired, but he ended up having four open heart surgeries. We are going to have a fifth, and God intervened. I'm just thankful for the healing power of God. And, and many times I said, Lord, I, why didn't you touch him on the very first? Why? And then we had, he had not even been two weeks free from this fifth possible surgery that my, I was preaching a camp meeting on the East Coast, and my middle son, Jonathan, was diagnosed with cancer. He was two years old. We flew home, and, and uh, I, we were devastated. It just seemed... Now, today, those boys are healthy, and I, I cannot tell you how many marvelous things God has done by walking us through the fire. How many are thankful that God is God? God is God. And so, I'm going to leave that there. But I'm telling you that God has touched them, and those boys are healed. And it's miraculous, and God's hand is on them. But I, I mentioned tetralogy because in 15, uh, in the mid 1530s, that you know that's nearly 500 years ago. In the mid 1530s, it was a young, intelligent doctor by the name of Servetus who had to change his name to Velenu because he had been reading his Bible, and the Catholic Church, because he was in a Catholic France, 
he was reading his Bible, and as a 20-year-old seminary student, he began to realize that there was no such teaching as many churches were teaching. There were multiple persons in, in the Godhead. And he began to write about it, and he wrote this absolutely fabulous book, and he thought he was going to revolutionize the world because just about 20 years earlier, a young Lutheran, or a young Catholic priest, excuse me, a young Catholic priest by the name of Luther had been making revolutions throughout Christianity. And in Germany, they were actually protecting this young Lutheran priest. And, and that was the birth of Lutheranism. And, and Servetus said, wait a minute, Luther, listen, he actually tried to get an audience with Luther. He said, have you read him? You've been reading the Bible over there in Romans. But what about John? Have you been reading that Jesus is the mighty God? And they said, no way. And they hunted him down. Now, in the mid-30s, he is the doctor that discovered the flow of blood through the pulmonary artery of the heart and, and actually began groundwork in heart research. This man was, at the age of 20, was one of the most brilliant young minds in, uh, in the 16th century. But in 1553, because he was trying to make his way to Calvin, the founder of the Presbyterian Church, he was trying to make his way to make his argument they captured him and October 27th in 1553 they took Servetus and they said you will denounce this oneness message or you will die in our hands for 75 days I sat at the university I'm doing a research project at Indiana University on this very man and uh, how many are thankful that men and women have been willing to give their all for the truth They've been willing to give their all for the truth. Now, I, my most uh, curious moment was how in the world had Servetus ever come into it? And come, as you begin to do research, you begin to find that there was a powerful revival of Jesus' name baptism in the heart of Spain in an area called Lareda. And, and the, the, the church of that time was fighting it and was killing them. And he had escaped Lareda, Spain, and had gone into France. And there he developed his his and his theology. He really believed there would be a mighty revival of the name of Jesus. How many are glad that there has been? It may have taken centuries, but you cannot stop the truth because God is one. And all the attempt in the world to say God is three, Shema, listen, is God one? Well, He's, he's one, but He's actually three. Uh, it doesn't work. Because he says he's actually one. Now let's go a couple more uh, slides, if you would, Brother Thompson. Let's go to uh, what I call the simplest definition of the oneness of God. And when we we'll conclude this, and Brother Thompson, in a moment, we'll jump over. And then I want to demonstrate why I believe, even though it took me many years, I, I would not get baptized. Of course, first of all... I, it wouldn't matter. Now, listen to me. <clears throat> listen to me. I want to, I want to share my journey with you for a moment. I would not get baptized in Jesus' name unless I was convinced that the name of the Trinity was inadequate because I'd already been baptized in the name of the Trinity. So what my pastor was doing was very, very brilliant and was very, very kind. He was trying, though mistakenly, he was trying to convince me that 
There was as much power in the name of the Trinity as there was in the name of Jesus. How many understand what I'm saying? And so, if the name of the Trinity, and that's Matthew 28, and this is where you have the classic fight between the two verses, why would you need to get re-baptized? You've already been baptized in the name of the Trinity. And I said, well, here's my problem. That there's only one verse that makes that kind of statement. And then that statement, I say, I was listening to Harvest Time the other night, and I heard Brother Urshan say that that says name, not names. And that would draw that to my attention. I'm very thankful that the truth never lets us go. It keeps drawing us into it. And so he would say, well, uh, okay. And, and he would explain, and we would go through this. And, and it, most of the time, they were fairly satisfactory answers. But there were a couple of things that I, I could not get over, even though I, one day I came in and I said, I, I'm laying it to rest. I'm never asking another Godhead question. I'm a Trinitarian. I wrote a paper and I, I defended the Trinity. I said, there's no way around it. There's a Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They must be three. And if there's three in some mysterious way uh, that we can't comprehend, well, then that's the way it is and forget it and lay it to rest. But I said, there is one question that I must have answered before I can lay it to rest. And then I'm laying it to rest. And he said, oh, good. Oh, good. Oh, Talmadge, hallelujah. He said, what's your question? And I said, well, my question is, if there is a multiple personality divinity, where was he in the Old Testament? Why did Moses not see him? Does that mean, Pastor, that two of them were hiding? And why would they be hiding? Can you give me a reason? And he said, well, uh, 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 well, uh, they weren't hiding altogether. Um, I said, well, give me an example where the Holy Spirit came and, and you see the Holy Spirit. And he gave me a couple examples and I said, I, I don't, it's not helping me. But say, I understand what you're saying, but, you know, the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the water. That, that's not helping me. I, I don't think any Jewish individual would think of that as something other than just God. So, but that's good. Thank you. That's helping. But, but what about the Son? Why would the Son need to hide? And what in the world would be the reason that God for 4,000 years would hide His Trinity personality. And He said, I don't have, I don't know exactly, but let's start looking at, we'll figure this out. And I mean, it began to dawn on me like a revelation, like I had never seen before, that no, 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 that the God of the Old Testament was Jesus in the New Testament. That's who He was. So, so this is how simple it came down to. Now, that doesn't mean it's simple. There are many complexities, many, many complexities. But it's really, it really is just as simple. There is one God. I'm going to say, there is one God. I'm going to say, there is one God. And Jesus is that one God. That is what the oneness are teaching. Jesus is the one God. Someone said, well, are you confusing the Father, the Son, the Spirit? Are you blah, blah, blah? Do you understand hypostases and substances? Dr. Uh, so-and-so <laughs> up in a certain college, I'm about to... Um, a certain professor said, well, friends, don't you get it? It's just like gold. Um, there's, there's one substance called gold. And in the gold category, everybody say gold. 
in the gold category, there are three, only three, there are only three in the category. So there's one God, but in that category, it looks like a marriage. Of course, all it goes to St. John 17 is husband and wife are one, but they're really not one, they're really two. And so God is one, but He's not really one, He's really three. And it's like gold, and there's only three in the category. And I said, well, this, this bothers me, uh, doctor, because Acts 17 says that we must never liken the Godhead unto gold and silver. And I said, not only that, but how could you ever limit God to three if there's, there is no category of God? He is absolutely one. And Jesus is that God. Oh, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands together, shall we? So, so, so. Yes, yes, yes. Now, let's go. Uh, brother, just go to your find. It's a few ahead. Let's turn to Revelation 1. And then we're going to jump out of this. So, uh, the idea was we were just going to cover the Godhead like you would never believe. But as you can see, we're, we're, we're just doing what feels good here. But uh, let's look at Revelation 1. Jesus tells us who He is. Now, listen to what I'm going to say. I, I've never attempted to do it this way. And I, I feel good in the Holy Ghost. Everybody say, praise the Lord. I've never actually said this before, but because I, I often speak about these kind of things either in a college or classroom setting and, and, uh, or among Trinitarians, so I, I wouldn't necessarily say this, but I want to say it today. Can you give me permission to say what I feel in my heart right now? It's not going to hurt you. It's, it's good. Um, there was a person that convinced me of the oneness. And the one who actually convinced me of the oneness. Now, this was knowing that I was going to be cast out. My family was going to disinherit me. They were never going to talk to me again because they'd come in and said, French, if you embarrass us, okay, we might ought to cut the tapes here. Um, uh, have you cut the tape? If you do this years ago, I was a Trinitarian. He said, you're going to burn even more than all the rest of them. Because you have rejected, already knew and rejected. I said, I want to tell you something right now. I will stand upon Colossians 2.10. For we are complete in Him. It has pleased the Father that in Him should dwell all fullness. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands together. I am telling you, this is a revolutionary truth. The person that convinced me of the oneness was Jesus himself. Because I had been spending three years searching for the Trinity and reading John. And of course, now I teach John when, at the Bible school. When I first went there, I said, now listen, there are two things I don't want to teach. I'm not qualified. I... I don't care if I've had 100 years of Greek and 11 years of Latin and 40 years of Hebrew, which I haven't, but uh, they do not qualify me to teach the book of Romans and they do not qualify me to teach the Gospel of John because the Gospel of John is so awesome. Only S.G. Norris and a few of the 
truly anointed should even attempt to claim they know how to dig out the depths of truth in those books. And of course, I now teach both of these books at Indiana Bible College. And every time I do, I tell you what. Jesus, if there were a trinity, now listen to me. You can bury me to my neck. You can call me a heretic. Jesus was the greatest teacher of all time. He was intelligent. Now, I know He was God. Don't, don't, don't misread me here. He was capable, and I was told He came to reveal the Trinity, and that's why the Trinity... The answer to why He wasn't in the Old Testament was that it wasn't revealed until the New. How many understand that? And I said, okay. Okay. That's, thank you. That's, a, that's good. They wouldn't be back there. You would, it could be there and not know it if it wasn't revealed yet. For example, there are mysteries that the Old Testament saints didn't know about. How many know that? How many know that they didn't get the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament speaking in other tongues? So don't act like that's some weird notion. The problem is it doesn't fit the question. The question is not why were they not seen. The question is, if they were back there, why were they not revealed? Why were we told over and over, there is but one God, Shema Yisrael. There is but our Lord, our God is one Lord. Why would they say that to Moses? What was God doing? It doesn't make sense. See? Well, the reason, answer, good answer. Wrong question, but good answer. Uh, Jesus came to reveal it. It couldn't be known until it was revealed. So they were hiding? Why? The question is why? I mean, why? It, it doesn't make any sense. That What would they be doing? And, and my pastor actually said, well, look over here. And, and he said, look at this rock that followed him around the world. See, that's the second person. He sticks his head up. Hi, hi. He hides you. Help, help. Hi, hi. I'm here. We're really here. And, and then back down. Can you imagine such a thing? And I said, I'll believe that. I'll believe it. If Jesus reveals that in the New Testament, I'm ready to embrace it. Because there's a Father, there's a Son, there's a Holy Spirit. The question is, are they one God or are they something else? And I'll embrace that they're multiple if Jesus reveals that. How many are Jesus' name in this place? How many worship Jesus? How many bow down before Him as your Lord and your God? If Jesus told me the moon was made of cheese, I would believe it. But Jesus never did. He never revealed such a thing. So we got to John 1. We had a whole Bible study in our church on it. Of course, we quit real quick because people were becoming oneness real fast. But he started a Bible study. And it said, in the beginning was the Word. Everybody say, in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. Now see, this was, this was why I could not embrace the oneness that were and I'm trying to get off so I can tell you why I would not be rebaptized and we'll do that in the last moment here but John said that the word was with God I'm going to say with God and my cobwebs of thinking which had been planted there by sincere but um, misinformed thinking 
It's just like people who say, oh, you don't need the Holy Ghost today. You ever met people like that? You don't need to speak in tongues. That's just for people in the Bible days. Is that true? Well, no, that's not true. But people believe it by the millions. Are you going to run and go, oh, they don't believe you need the Holy Ghost? No, you go and lay hands on them and say, you can have the Holy Ghost right now and pray for them. They get the Holy Ghost. How many are thankful for that? That's how truth works. You don't run and say, oh, we're just the Jesus name people. People think we're some kind of weirdo. No, you get that Bible. And on this book, regardless of what the intellects say, I'm standing on this book. I'm standing by this book. I've been crucified, filleted. I've been uh, cheese sauce. I mean, everything. I have been stretched out there in seminary settings. I've even had my own professors say, French, you are bordering. Hallelujah. Speak to us, Lord. French, you are bordering on blasphemy. I said, why? How can lifting up Jesus be blasphemous? Well, if you deny the others, I said, I am denied nothing. All I am denying is what theologians have called persons and hypostases and use the Greek and the Latin and Tertullian and Cyprian and all these other people. I want to tell you something. Thank God for any man, any time that tried to understand the Word. But it's this book we love, not Cyprian and not Tertullian. It's the Word of God. Jesus could have clearly... Listen to me. Okay. All right, folks, I love this. Come on, let's love you one more time. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for truth. Thank you for the glorious message. Thank you, Lord. Jesus would have. You can call this dumb theology, whatever you want to. It is what convinced me. If Jesus is the greatest teacher, everyone say, Jesus is the light. He's not the darkness. He's not the confusion. He didn't come to say, now listen, Moses thought there was one. Abraham thought there was one. They died believing in one. But guess what? I'm a second one. I'm the son. So I'm another one. I'm another person. Now, let me tell you how easy this would be. It, I, I don't know what setting. and I'm, I'm not trying to be... Uh, I'm trying to be careful here, but often I've done this even with three and four-year-old children. Say, come and explain the Trinity. Oh, the Trinity is a great mystery. Yes, of course it's a incomprehensible, but come, we can explain it. Um, have five-year-old children come up and sit down and give them the words... That Jesus could have said, very simply, God is a trinity. This was not revealed in the Old Testament. But it's revealed now. And now you've got to sit down because you twelve, because this is earth shattering. For centuries people thought there was just one personality, but there really is another. And I'm the second. Now, I'm not the only one, because there's also a third one. I, you'll meet him later. But, but I'm going to tell you now, listen to me. There are three of us in this Godhead, and here's how it works. We are... We are of one substance, just like gold. We, we're, we're like Siamese twins. And, and uh, we all, I do the will of the Father, and we all, we're in committee, and this is how it works. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they would have gone, can you imagine those Jewish apostles finding out that there were multiple, <laughs> multiple something? I'm, re- I'm refraining from saying multiple gods. I'm trying to be fair, but ultimately it's very dangerous to talk that way. And, of course, it doesn't produce revival. There's no such thing as a revival 
predicated upon the teaching of multiple persons. But there is an awesome revival going on right now predicated on the name of Jesus. And the reason is it's truth. Folks, I'm telling you, it, I believe this. I have been trying to answer this question in my own soul. Why is it that communist nations are being stirred by apostolic revival when there is not even an American preacher there? It is because the name of Jesus is powerful. And of course, I'm going to say something else. I'm being way too bold, but I believe that all Trinitarians that have revival, like the group I was in, they're somewhat having problems, but they're becoming very worldly. It's affected their growth and so on. Uh, in fact, they've tried to survey uh, back a few years ago that is available. I'm not making it up. You can go to the library and get it. Uh, that shows that when they gave up their standards, the next doctrine that went out, and their young people in their seminaries no longer believe that Jesus is coming again. They cannot get their young people to accept the biblical teaching because if you throw away the biblical teaching of holiness, in other words, the minute you throw truth away, I don't care what it is, you better love truth. And don't say, well, it doesn't fit my, uh, my satellite programming or something. You just don't do that. Listen, the truth is what matters. How many loves the truth here today? We love the truth. And Jesus never said. He never said. Now, my contention is, as a, a Trinitarian, if there was a Trinity... Even if he never uses the word, I, it didn't matter if he didn't have to use the word. I knew he didn't use the word. But if he just taught it, if he just taught it in some place, but instead, Jesus said, I, you want to say I, he didn't say we, I am Alpha and Omega. Now, the name Yahweh, which, of course, no Jew would ever say, and I would offend them if I wouldn't say it in their presence. I would be, that would be like uh, making fun of Wesley in, in a Methodist church or laughing at... Uh, you see what I'm saying? I would never do it, although there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with saying Yahweh, although Yahweh is not. We don't know if that's the pronunciation of the yud heh vav the name of God. It would say, Hear, O Israel. It would say, Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God... The first Lord there is yud heh vav it, it probably is somewhere in the neighborhood of Yahweh. But another word we use for it is what? Jehovah. But where do we get Jehovah? Everyone say Jehovah. Jehovah came from the Hebrew consonants that are used in the actual Hebrew word Adonai. How many ever heard of Adonai? The actual Hebrew pronunciation is Adonai. But they took the vowels. The Jews were so smart. They said, let's use the vowels from Adonai and put them into the sacred name. That way, if anybody tries to pronounce the name, they'll always say, Yehovah. And that'll be nowhere near it because there's no way in the world those were the consonants. That you, how many understand what I'm saying? They were, come on, come on. How many understand what I just said? They did that. The Jews did that centuries and centuries ago. And they continued right to the present to put Adonaiah vowels on yud Oh, it's not up there. yud Bubhei, that is the sacred name of God, so that when, when people pronounce it, they would never, ever actually pronounce the name because they loved the name. They believed that to even speak the name was, was to, to violate the Ten Commandments. That is to take the name. Now, I'm not suggesting that's absolutely true. I do not believe personally that that was something that developed. But how many understand that they revered and loved the name of God to the point that they would not even say Yahweh. They would say Adonai. But yud heh is the Hebrew word. It's a verb. 
And it means the one present, the ever present one. Yahweh means I am. That's what it means. They say, praise the Lord. So the name of God meant I am. And this is such an awesome. Everybody say, praise the Lord. So let's. So Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega. I am the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, I'm going to say is, which was and which is to come. Jesus is saying here that he is the almighty. I'm going to say the almighty. Not one of the Almighty's. I had a Trinitarian call me just last week from some state, and he said, "Well, I, I got your book, and I'll tell you, French, you you're one of those one godders." I said, "Yes, you you bought a twenty five dollar book and and didn't know that it was a one god. Oh, I knew it was a one god book. I got that book because I'm telling you that not just one Almighty." And I said, "Well, how many Almighty's are there?" He said, "There's three Almighty's." I said, "Well, that's an illogical." That's an inconsistency. It's not even possible for there to be three. I said, listen to me, listen to me. You don't know me, and you're thinking of this theologically, but I want to tell you right now, my heart is reaching out to you. Listen to what I'm telling you. I'm, I, if you can throw me in the deepest sea, there cannot be three almighties. Now read Revelation one more time and see if Jesus said He was the Almighty. And then I said, go over to Colossians right now. Go to Colossians 2 and 9 and see if it doesn't say that in Him, I would say in Him, dwelleth all. I would say all. See, Jesus convinced me there was one God. If Jesus intended to teach more, He had the greatest ability on earth to do it. And He never did. He said, I am. I am. The Alpha. He didn't say I'm the Yoda. He didn't say I'm the Piro Sigma Tau. He didn't say I'm the middle three. He didn't say I'm the I'm the second portion. There just happened to be exactly twenty four letters, and we had a little fun and threw it up there. But he didn't say I'm just the Yoda. How many of those he didn't say I'm the Yoda? How many are glad he didn't say I'm just the Yoda? Oh, I'm just the Yoda through the Sigma. He didn't say. <laughs> Okay, I was hoping some of you'd wake up. See, he didn't say. He didn't say I'm the Yoda. He said I'm the beginning. I'm all of it. I'm the great I am. That's why in 1909, Sister Grimes in the PAW wrote that great song. He is the great I am. Hallelujah. How many are thankful today that Jesus is Lord? Now, can you go over? Now, we're just going to conclude here real quick, but because I have a, a few more minutes here. Now, so that led to a lot of things in my own life. Uh, well, here's, here's how it happened for me. Okay, I'm oneness. All right. Can I stay here and be oneness? That was how it worked for me. Can I stay in this church and be oneness? And, of course, my pastor said, well, of course you can. Of course you, you can stay here and be oneness. And I said, okay, good. But will you baptize me? And he said, no, no, no. I said, well, what about that? How am I going to get baptized? And he said, well, I will never baptize you in Jesus' name. You can forget that. I said, what could be so bad? I mean, just one. Don't even tell anybody. Just 
we'll go in there. And, and uh, he said, oh, brother, if I baptize you, he said, listen, French, I've never told you this. But when I was your age, I wanted to get baptized over too. But I figured it out. And uh, I never did. He said, in fact, it's actually you will be angering the Father and the Spirit if you get rebaptized. I said, you mean they'll be mad at me? If I get baptized in the name of Jesus? I said, are they mad at the apostles? I said, this is, this is really getting um, hard. But there were two things. No, there were two biblical reasons that I agreed with my pastor. I said, the oneness movement has this. They're right. Evidently, they're right about the name of Jesus. And they're right about who Jesus is. Because Jesus, when he, they, listen, they, Jesus is the great teacher. Everyone say, praise the Lord. They look right at him and they ask him a specific question. Lord, if you'll just show us the Father, we'll be completely satisfied. Now, that was if there was ever a time for Jesus to say, all right, now, I've tried to explain. You don't get it. You're thinking about one. There's really, there is one, but it's not one. It's really three. That's the time to do it. Because there is a way you can be one and two and one and three. It's called corporate oneness. That's why I say this is not biblical. Corporate deity is not biblical. Now, there's corporate, there are corporates. Husband and wife are one in a sense, but they're not really one. They're, they're two, but they're one in another sense. And that's how they're trying to argue that God is. And I understand that. My point is, did the Bible teach it? Does the Bible teach that Jesus is another? And Jesus said, no, he that has seen me has seen the Father. Oh, oh, I said, Pastor, listen, I can't take it. I can't. I can't. You're going to have to baptize me soon because I'm getting nervous. I'm young and probably lived to be 46, but no, I didn't say that, but. I said, I just got to be. But I said, I will never leave. Now, you, I've often wondered if this was the right thing. But I said, I will not leave. And I meant it. Might have been day. I don't recommend it. I, maybe I shouldn't say it. Um, I won't leave unless you bless me. The day you put your hands on me and you bless me, then that's the day I'll go. I'll go get baptized, that, but not before that. Because I want your blessing. I'm not going to rebel against you and I'm not going to be dishonorable to you. I'm going to wait until you'll give me your blessing. I'll never forget the day I walked in. He was so exasperated. He said, get your head over here. I'm going to bless you now. He said, um, French, I want to tell you something. Uh, you're going to make a one God preacher. I can see it in you right now. You're going to make a way. He said, get over here. And he laid his hands on me and the Holy Ghost fell. And I walked out of there and I never came back to that church. And I saw them both. And I said, I won't be back, but you will always know that I love you. But I must do what I must do. And I walked into a church I had never been to before. I had never met a person in that church. And we walked in because we wanted to be buried in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. Let's praise Him one more time. Just one more time. Are we over there now? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
So there were two things that, but that, that's the end of the story. And I figure I better tell the end because uh, it's coming quick. But uh, just in case we don't get there, let's give you two reasons that it took me that long. You can say, well, you're thick headed. You were stubborn. You were stupid. I, I, I mean, they may all be true, but there were two things that I was convinced of. First, in the name did not mean I was convinced and therefore was no need for baptism, not rebaptism, because in the name was just like in the name of the law. You don't get baptized saying a name. You get baptized in the authority of a name. Now, it never occurred to me early on that then why would there be a Trinity baptism and a Jesus name baptism? Why would the one be in the authority of the name of Jesus and the other in the authority of the Trinity? That didn't occur to me early on. Later on, it got to dawning on me. Wait, wait, there's there's an inconsistency here. How many believe that the word of God is consistent? How many love the word of God? How many really do love the word of God? Don't you love the word of God? Um, so I was convinced that uh, in the name just meant the authority and there was no name spoken. So, of course, I asked the, the logical question. Well, then, if there's no name spoken, why do we speak the name of the Trinity? And they said, uh, well, you know, you, you want to have some kind of name that you speak. Um, but it's not it's not that you say it. You're, you're doing it in the authority of. It. So actually, there's really you don't really have to say anything. In fact, when I was called to this college in. North of here some time ago and they wanted me to defend Jesus name baptism the entire premise of this man's paper was uh, that there is no name in baptism there is no name in baptism he said you can baptize in the name of Methuselah and I said I'm so glad I'm not here defending that because I'm here to defend a name that's above every name Someone say, well, is it above the name Yahweh? It's above every name. Because Jesus is the Jesus. It is the Greek word for Yahweh. But it means Yahweh is Savior. In the Hebrew, Yeshua. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus, 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 Jesus. I'm telling you, His name is above every name. But, of course, I had two obstacles. One is that in the name didn't mean you say anything. And the second one was First Peter 3. And, and, and until that was cleared up, there was no way I was going to go get wet again for no reason. And uh, so, let's, so Philippians 2.9, can we just rush through now? Let's, uh, let's go to the next one. I'm just going to look at it quickly. So we have the ineffable name, keep going. All right, that ineffable means it can't be spoken. But in Acts 2.21 it says, and whosoever shall call, everyone say call. That's the Greek word epikaleo, which means to, to speak it out. Everyone say, praise the Lord. Everyone say, Jesus. See, you would never do that in a Hebrew setting. You would never sit around going, Jehovah will sing in the presence. How many ever sang in the presence of Jehovah? All right now we've got all these Yahweh songs. We've got a lot of music around IBC, and we've got students writing oneness songs. I don't know why, but we got the good oneness songs being written around IBC. One of the most fabulous oneness songs. One of our students wrote this song and says, he's, Jesus is the Yahweh. And I tell you what, it's hard for me not to run aisles when I hear young people writing one God songs like that. Because there, there isn't. Folks, how many believe the Bible when it says that His name is above every name? 
Okay, now I understand that there are those. I had a professor. I had to do. I had to translate the book of Philippians because I was a Greek major, and and the one of the one of the my supervisor on my whole Greek program was one of the leading evangelical Greek scholars, and and. Uh, it worked on the New International Version. He's one of the translators. And, and, and he, we got to uh, this verse and he said, Now, French, now let, me, let me straighten this out right now. I know, you're, I know what you are. And I said, What am I? He said, I, I know what you are. You're, you're, uh, you're Jesus' name. But he said, Have you ever realized that this is in the dative? And that when it says, In the name of Jesus... That that then could not, that some of you are already lost. Everybody say, Praise the Lord. It's okay to be lost for a few minutes. All right? It's okay. He said, That name above every name is not Jesus. And I said, Really? He said, No, that name is Adonai that's above every name. And I said, Oh. I said, Well, have you ever been in a miracle healing service? And he didn't know what to say. I said, well, you're, I know you're Plymouth Brethren, and I, I've never been in a miracle healing service in the Plymouth Brethren, but just in case you have, I wanted to mention this. Uh, I have been in many. My son had leukemia and nearly died in my arms. And I'm telling you that the night we walked into that building after months of chemo and his hair falling out in clumps in my hand, we did not cry out at Aniah. They said, in the name of Jesus. And that boy was healed and touched of God. You're not going to tell me. Now, someone said that's not a theological argument. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But the better argument, of course, is that the dative has no bearing. And that's what we argued in our book. And, and I asked Dr. Hawthorne, I said, now, now, be honest with me. Does the dative have to mean that Jesus isn't the name? And he said, well, no. But that's what it, it, that's what it does mean. I said, but does it have to mean that? Because you're a Trinitarian and you don't want it to be Jesus. And I'm oneness and I know it's Jesus. And you're trying to tell me the data there prevents that from meaning the name above every name is Jesus. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Now you can go to every school in the world. You can study anything you want to study. But I'm going to love the name. I'm going to baptize in the name. So there were, there were these two problems and they were solved in my mind this way. So let's continue uh, on. Let's go. Come on, get off that. That's he, get off that. Quick, quick, they're going to croak. All right, and God said to Moses, he would say, I am, and this is my, this is, are we there? Oh, I'm sorry. This is, where are we? Go to the next verse, I'm sorry. God said to Moses, what? I am, that I am, this is what? My name. And of course, I'm going to, how many feel the presence of the Lord? I feel the presence of the Lord. You can call me a doctrinal 
misfit. You can call me anything you want to. But God has revealed Himself in Jesus. That's why Jesus brings such powerful healing. Let's keep going until you get to John 8. All right, because we're ready. We're, come on, we're really winding down. Everybody say, praise the Lord. We're, we're kind of I want to show you two questions I had to answer. I've never done this. I've never been able to do it. I've never had a full hour and a half where I could just say, okay, here's the journey. There were two questions I had to answer for myself. Now, I don't know why they had to be these two questions, but they, they were the two questions I had to answer. And that is, was there a name spoken? Because I believe, even as a Trinitarian, our church prayed in Jesus' name. We had healings. We were holiness. We ran out. My grandmother was the shoutingest Trinitarian that ever shouted. She prayed over everything. She was 86. And I'd been working on it ever since I'd gotten in the, in the truth. And I'd tell her and, and she would go, oh, oh. And we'd come to dinner and was my his family was all split up. But we'd go down and see Grandma. Grandma French and, and uh, my folks never went to church but she was a saintly woman she would say let's bow our heads we're going to, she could cook like you wouldn't believe down there in Leechville, Arkansas and she would cook that big meal and nobody could get a bite until she shouted around that table she'd stand up holiness that scissors never touched her hair I mean, we're talking about a godly woman but she'd never even heard of Jesus name baptism and I said grandma listen You are the most important person in my life. You are my example. You are the one that laid hands on me when Dad was out on a drunk. You prayed me through to the Holy Ghost. And I didn't leave this church because I disrespect you. But Grandma, don't you want to get baptized in Jesus' name? Well, I've I've been baptized. And then she'd pray over the meal. Hallelujah, hallelujah. She'd dance like this. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And how was, how was I going to grab her and throw her in a tank for baptism? And I said, Lord, listen, if she ever gets baptized, it's going to take you. Because I've told her every argument. I've used the Hebrew, the Greek, the Latin, little Aramaic. I've done everything, Lord. I have done it. I've done all I know to do. Now, Father, she's 86. She's the most precious woman in the world. You've got to help her. I walked in one afternoon and she said, Oh, Oh, she, she just, oh. She, when I was this high, she said, you're going to preach. You're going to preach. And I said, oh, no, no, I'm shy. No, no, honey, you're going to preach. I'm telling you, you're a preacher. I said, you think I'm, you're a preacher. I said, I can't even get it in front of her. No, you're a preacher. And she'd start shouting and talking in tongues and slinging that. She had a big uh, braid, real long braid, went way down here. And she's a little short woman and she'd shake that braid down and start flopping that braid and she she got the Holy Ghost when she's in the Methodist church and she started shouting that braid around you think I'm going to grab her and throw her in a tank oh brother oh Jesus 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 and I said Lord I, I, I know this is true and I but I don't know how to can I don't know what to do to help her she's been in this for years and years and she shouted more aisles in than I've ever been in. And yet I know that you want to show her the truth. <laughs> Is this okay? I'm, I don't know what's happening to me. <laughs> so she... Don't, don't, uh, don't send any of these tastes back to Indianapolis. Don't tell anybody that I stood up here and wept for two or three minutes. Um, but anyway, 
So I walked in and, and I'd prayed and prayed. I was already a UPC evangelist by this time. I was already traveling. I evangelized four years. And uh, I was coming in from a meeting and I said, Grandma. And I walked in and I said, Oh, Grandma, how are you? And of course, she started talking and talking. And she grabbed me and she said, Oh, honey, honey, honey. She said, I was in the garden hoeing my okra yesterday. She said, and, and I was out there. And she'd broken her arm working in the garden. And we we're trying to all tell her, you're, Grandma, you're too frail to be hoeing okra in a 102 degree weather. You need to get one of these grandkids that's not evangelizing. No, get, get somebody over here to help you. She said, well, honey, I want to tell you. She said, I was out there hoeing and had this, she had this cast iron. She said, um, and I was just thanking Jesus. And she said, oh, Talmud. She said, the Holy Ghost came. I got one of my fits. And she said, I started shouting. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, it's time for you to take on my name, Ida. And she said, what did you say, Lord? It's time for you to take on my name. And she said, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We baptized her in Jesus' name. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, hallelujah. Let's love Him one more time. Father, we want to finish this, but we're going we're gonna to run out of time, Lord. We've done our best to share our heart, Lord. Praise God. So Jesus said unto them, Ego me, that's the Greek. For uh, that's the Greek for the Hebrew name of God, Ego me. Don't say that. Don't anybody say it. Don't even think about saying Ego me. But it means I am. And Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, This is the scripture that is the day I was no longer a Trinitarian. Jesus did not say, Before Abraham was, I was. That's correct Greek, and that would be correct English. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Now, can you, can you give me, I, I've, if that's right, I still have a few seconds, and I always use every second. All right, so everybody say, praise the Lord. So Jesus did not say, now folks, this is so awesome, it is mind-boggling. Jesus did not say before Abraham was, I was. That would not be a go of me. That would be an entirely different word, and who cares what it was. The point is that he, he could have and really should have said before Abraham was, I was. That is correct Greek. He said before Abraham I was, I am. And they were shocked. They said he is claiming to be Jehovah God of Israel. He is claiming as a man to be the God of heaven. Now let's go to the next one, because there's no way I can do this, but I'm having fun anyway. As soon as he had said unto them, I am, which is a go of me, of course, but now the, the, he, the, uh, the King James adds the word I am he, which is not correct, but um, because you understand the word he is not there. The, they added it because they were, well, they just added it, but, but what he actually said was, he said to them, uh, as soon as he said, I'm going to say as soon, as soon as he had said to them, I am, what happened? They went backward. Is it up there? I'm oh, oh, I'm sorry. Let's see if we can get to it. As soon as he had said unto them, I am, 
he, but the he is not in the Greek. The point is, it shouldn't have been in the first. As soon as he had said to them, it would say, as soon as. I mean, as soon as he said, I am, they fell to the ground. Because he had spoken what he was, the I am, Jesus. This, this Greek word does not reflect the Hebrew, but it is the same word, I am. That is my name forever. And they fell to the ground. I believe there's power in the name of Jesus. But I still had the question and I'm... Did you speak a name in baptism? I always believe there was power in the name of Jesus. But did you have to say it in baptism? And my pastor said, no, see, that's why they're wrong. And one day I came and I said, um, okay, let's go. We're done. We're done. All right. Go, go on. Just go like a wild person here. Let's keep, go to like six or eight more. We're going to skip. Oh, no, no, no. Go to First Peter 3. These two points real quick. This is the scripture that I'd always believed. And every Baptist uses this. It's a very convenient little scripture. Keep going. It's not there yet. No. We're going to skip all that. Right here. First Peter 3. Everyone say not. See, that scripture kept me from rebaptism. Because my pastor said in the French book, baptism does not put away the filth of the flesh. How many see that there? It is not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. And I said, well, that's Bible. It says it does not put away the filth of the flesh. So, and the only reason I'd get baptized would be, well, there's another reason. You might get baptized just to be obedient to the Bible. I mean, not because you thought it would wash your sins away. Uh, in spite of Acts 2.38, I said and then I have all these charismatic people write me and saying, well, uh, Acts 2.38 means you get baptized because of the remission. And I said, show me a single place in Scripture where ice means because. Show me one. Show me one. One. There are thousands of examples. Show me one where it means you get baptized because in repentance you've got your sins taken away. No, 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 friends. Your, your sins are taken care of because of the name of Jesus. And my pastor said to me, he said, listen, friends, now listen, listen, listen. If, if, if baptism could wash your sins away, every fish in the lake would be dead. And I said, oh, wow. Wow. You must think I'm a real big sinner. Every fish in the lake is going to be dead. And I came back and I said, um, well, I was trying to be respectful. I said, that would be assuming that the water washed my sins away. But I'm not suggesting that the water would wash my sins away. The fish can swim by. In fact, when they baptized me, there was a great big water moccasin. Crawl and I got baptized in an inn. I didn't know if there was a UPC, except for a few uh, broadcasts and so on. I knew nothing about the expanse of this great movement. I just met a guy. He was at oneness. He was independent. And he said, I'll baptize you. He said, I'm, you're, I'm ready for you. And so they baptized me. And here comes this water moccasin along the shore. He didn't die when they baptized me. As big a sinner as I was. Didn't kill that water moccasin. But I came back to this verse. It's not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. And, and then I, of course, I became a Greek major at Wheaton. And I said, you know, Pastor, do you see the problem here? This verse says in Greek, and that we're going to go into that, but we won't do it. I'm just doing it for those who might be held back by something like this. This actually says 
And I, we won't go to it. It's all on the side. We'll just skip it. But baptism doth also now save us. Everyone say, praise the Lord. How many knows it says that? Baptism doth also now save us. Just like Noah was saved by water. Everyone say, by water. And yet, actually, he was saved by an ark. The water is what killed everybody else. But he was stressing that it was in the waters of baptism that this is when it occurs, that something happens. But is it the putting away of the filth of the flesh? And this, many Trinitarians interpret this to mean take your sins away. That's not what it says. Because this is the Greek word puro. I said, Pastor, you, did you know this? And he said, yeah. yeah. I knew that. I said, you knew that? That this actually says it's not the washing off of dirt from the body? And you kept me from Jesus' name, Baptist? When all this verse is saying is that you don't get baptized to take a bath? To wash your flesh off. But the reason you get baptized is an answer. The word answer is a Greek word for a plea. It is the crying out for a pure, or this says good, this is the King James, a good conscience, literally a pure conscience, so that the waters of baptism, and when you speak the name, everybody say, praise the Lord, when you speak the name. And so I walked in, and this is it, I walked in with 1 Corinthians 16, uh, 22 and 16. And I said, wait, Pastor, listen. Epikalethe, look at this. You said you studied Greek. Epikalethe says, arise and wash away thy sins. Epikalethe, calling, speaking, invoking, saying the name of the Lord. I said, it sounds like they're actually speaking a name when they get baptized. I said, I'm ready. Lead me to the waters. Let's stand together, shall we? How many are thankful for the truth today? Why don't we lift our hands and give Him one more? Come on, let's praise Him one more time. Father, we thank You because... We thank You because there is so much. There is so, so very much that You have called us to. We thank You because there is so much we can give You, Lord. We give You praise. Come on, let's love Him one more time. Father, help us. Help us to reach out in love. Help us to reach out in love. Oh, blessed be the name, oh, blessed be the name.